today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. When we try to do it in our own strength and our own ability, not only are we going to fail, but we have just enslaved ourselves once again. And how often have we created an Ishmael in the flesh because of it? And here God doesn't recognize it. Here God has an Isaac. That's the promise. And it's a work of the Spirit. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. Does your pride get in the way of the work God wants to do in your life? We all have a propensity for pride, thinking we can do things in our own strength, as we'll hear from Pastor J.D. today. However, this attitude will only lead us to failure and missing out on what God has for us. Work through the Spirit far outweighs anything in your own strength. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. See, under grace, within grace, and because of grace, God no longer deals with us on the basis of what we really deserve. That's God's grace. We're not under the law, which we would deserve everything under the law, but under grace God deals with us in an entirely different manner. In other words, the good we do cannot justify us, nor can the bad we do condemn us when we're under grace. If we choose to remove ourselves out from underneath the grace of God and subject ourselves to the law, all bets are off, for lack of a better way of saying it. The second reason we looked at last week in verses 6 through 14 is that of forgetting that he's my loving heavenly father. And for those of you who were here last week, we went into great detail on this. This is huge. This changes everything. What Paul is saying here is that if I see God as a taskmaster instead of a loving heavenly father, well, then I don't stand a chance. And under the law, that's how I have to see him. He can never be pleased. I can never please him. I can never obey him perfectly. I will always fall short. I will always fail. But now you move that aside and take that off the table, and instead you see him as a father in heaven who loves you so much, and you're the heir as the son? Oh, do you know what that means? I was telling my two sons, you know, you're going to be an heir. They looked looked around and said, to what? <laughs> anyway, so enough of my problems. Let's... Um, you're my son. I'm your father. (laughs) And they're looking at me like, wow, dad, get some sleep. See, we now have this intimate relationship with 
our Heavenly Father, so much so that we can call Him, and I know this jams people's gears, we talked about this again last week, but we can call Him Daddy. (laughs) That alone changes the complexion of the relationship significantly. Daddy. Baba in Arabic. Chinese, too. Abba in the Hebrew and the Aramaic. It's it's an intimate calling out and crying out to your daddy in heaven. And please, for those of you, and I, my heart goes out to you, who had a horrible relationship with your earthly father, please don't look at your heavenly father through the lens of your earthly father. In fact, if anything, it's because of that relationship that you didn't have with your earthly father that you can have that with your heavenly father. He's your daddy in heaven, and you can talk to him that way. This is the unconditional agape love from my father, and it's predicated upon that which Jesus did in my stead, and it makes me acceptable no matter what. And there's nothing I can do to make him love me less or more. And aren't you glad, by the way? Sometimes, I mean, rough week, kind of messed up. I'm not talking about I, I'm really careful when I say things like that, because if I'm looking in one particular direction, someone's going, he knows. I'm not doing that. Let me close my eyes. You know, you had a rough week last week. And you think, man, I better keep my distance. God's, God's not too happy with me right now. No. God doesn't deal with you on that basis. He loves you. He loves you so much. Well, this brings us to our text today in verses 15 through 20. And a third reason for constantly failing and falling, and this is a biggie, it's that I reject those who tell me the truth. This is what basically, and this is a difficult uh, portion of Scripture here in God's Word, and maybe not for the reasons that one might think. It's, It's difficult for me personally because Paul has been hurt by the Galatians. Now, I'm not soliciting sympathy or pity for Paul. Paul could hold his own, right? Paul had thick skin, but he loved them so much. And isn't it true that when you love someone so much, they can hurt you? I think about a parent with a child. You love your children so much, and they're wayward, and man, they just, they hurt you. They just, they bring so much. Well, why? Because you love them so much. And this is the heart of the Apostle Paul. He's basically reminding them, you know, there was a time not too long ago when you would have done anything for me. You would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me, which leads many to believe that he had a problem with his eyes. Some even think that was his thorn in the flesh, that God wouldn't remove after he prayed and asked God, and God just said, no, I'm going to leave it there because it keeps you humbly dependent upon me. And by the way, that might be a word for somebody here today too. 
you've prayed and you're going through something, you've been going through something for an elongated period of time and you can't understand for the life of you why it is that God doesn't just take it out and take you out of it and take it out of you, (laughs) perhaps better said. And oftentimes I know in my own life, with the trials that I go through, that God uses those trials to keep me humbly dependent upon Him, and He needs to, and by the way, I want Him to. I think of it this way. If I knew what God knew, I would want God to answer the prayers that I pray the way God answers the prayers that I pray. I don't want Him answering my prayers the way I want Him to answer my prayers, because I don't know the end from the beginning like He does. Let me try that again. That was a really complicated way to say something very simple and profound, wasn't it? Again, it's a gift. (laughs) This is why I have notes. This is why I shouldn't go off the notes. Let me put it this way. Aren't you glad that God didn't answer some of the prayers you prayed? Had He answered those prayers? Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness, I, what, I just, you know, God's got a sense of humor. We know that. I, I know that. Every time I look in the mirror, it reminds me, God's got a sense of humor. And I just imagine my loving Heavenly Father laughing, chuckling, smiling when I pray, because He's up there going, if you only knew what you're asking me for, believe me, you don't want me answering that prayer. <laughs> I wish you could see what I see, because if I answer that prayer, oh, it will not be good. And we know that if it's good, God's going to give it, because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So here's Paul basically saying to them, you know, am I your enemy now? I mean, once you would have done anything for me, and now you don't want anything to do with me. Why is that? What happened that you would go from embracing me to now rejecting me, What is it that would cause you to, instead of being my friend and me being your friend, why am I now your enemy? Well, it's because he told them the truth in love. By the way, when we speak the truth in love, we speak the truth because we love, right? If I really love somebody, I'm going to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear right? The wounds of a friend are faithful and can be trusted. I know my wife really loves me like a lot, (laughs) because she tells me the truth all the time. (laughs) Okay, honey, I know you love me. You love me. Okay, I get it. I get it. But they didn't want to hear it. Interesting that Paul would say, am I now your enemy? Because what does the proverb say? Well, a friend will speak the truth, and it might wound and hurt you, but an enemy multiplies kisses. In other words, the enemy will only tell you what you want to hear. Can you imagine going into the doctor's office, and the doctor, because he wants you to like him, doesn't tell you the truth of your diagnosis? Or could you imagine on the other side of that, you have a doctor who does tell you the truth and gives you the cold, hard truth with your diagnosis, and you say, you know what? I don't receive that. 
you know what? I'm not coming back. I'm going to go find another doctor. (laughs) How absurd is that, right? So do you realize that's what happens all the time with Christians and churches? They go to a church and the truth is taught. The gospel's preached. Well, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not coming back to this church. Well, here's the thing. You can go find another church, and there are plenty of them that will only tell you what your ears are itching to hear. You're a good person. You can have your best life now. No. Am I right? Remember Job? Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Remember Esther? If I perish, I perish. That's foreign. Notice they, they never preach out of First and Second Corinthians where we spent I don't want to say it like two years. Um, It might have been longer (laughs) in those two books before we got to Galatians, but they never preach about the aforementioned thorn in the flesh we just talked about. Oh, but if Paul would have had more faith! Are you kidding me? If Paul would have had more faith? You know, this is textbook when it comes to cults. This is what they do. They alienate you from the truth. Why? So you'll serve them. And that's what the Judaizers were doing, and they were doing it zealously and successfully. And herein lies the problem. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, right? Well, what's the opposite of that? If you don't know the truth, then does that mean instead of being set free, you're enslaved? This is why the cults will try to cut you off from family and friends and loved ones. That's a cult. That's a cult. They'll alienate you from the truth. Be very careful and be very discerning. And this is what the Judaizers were doing. Well, it's this last one that I want to spend the rest of our time on. And it's in verses 21 through 31. Boy, this is a tough one because <laughs> oh, I get so convicted. We rely on our own ability and strength. And that's a recipe for failure every single time, without exception. Now, here Paul draws upon one of my all-time favorite miracles in the Bible. And it's concerning the birth of Isaac to Abraham and Sarah when he's a hundred years old and Sarah is 90 years old. And this is years after the promise was made. But here's why Paul goes to this. Um, They were impatient and tried to help God out. And so Sarah particularly, and listen, ladies, I... With all due respect, (laughs) you have to understand in that culture, for a woman to be barren, it was seen as a curse. It was seen as a curse. And Sarah got to the place where she just couldn't take it anymore. 
I want to kind of give you the, the back story here. I want to get ahead of myself. Here's basically why Paul brings this up. So Hagar is the Egyptian maidservant, right? Remember her? And what you might not remember is how Sarah got her. Oh, it was when they went to Egypt. Remember that? So they bring her with them out of Egypt, and so Sarah becomes impatient with this promise that God had gave them that he's going to give them a biological son, that she will give birth to a son. Well, now here's Sarah. She's way past, again, I I say this very lovingly, she's way past menopause, (laughs) and way past that, and she's way past childbearing years, and there's no way. And she's kind of putting two and two together, and she says to Abraham, honey, I have an idea. Um, I think that maybe God needs us to help him out. So um, here's what I'm thinking. I think you should, you know, sleep with Hagar, and get her pregnant, and then we'll just have a son, sort of a surrogate, through her, and then we'll get this whole thing, get this show on the road. Now, guys, uh, as far as Abraham's concerned, there's nowhere in any of the narratives where it says that he complained or argued or fought her on this. I'm just saying, okay? Uh, it seems that, I mean, conspicuously absent from the narrative is any mention of Abraham saying, no way. He's supposed to be this man of faith, right? Counted unto him as righteousness, right? Well, he, he does it. And the rest, as they say, is uh, history. Here's the problem. When it came time for Abraham to take his only son... That's when Abraham says, wait a minute, what about Ishmael? Doesn't even recognize him. Doesn't even recognize Ishmael. Why? Because Ishmael is a work of the flesh. Ishmael is the product of their own ability to do in the natural that which God promised to do in the supernatural. And this is what we do, isn't it? And this is what happens. She's a slave woman. This is the law. This is being a slave to the law. And this is why we fail. If I could just bring it down to where we live every single day in our Christian lives. This is why we fail. We try to do it in our own strength. Stop. God doesn't need our help. (laughs) If God promised it, God's going to do it. Yeah, but when I'm a (laughs) hundred, if you're a hundred and he does it, he still did it. Right? And by the way, isn't it interesting that God would wait until she's 90 and he's a hundred? Why do you think he would do that? Because then it's really impossible Then it's really a miracle. Because if she's like, say, still 50-ish, 60-ish, well, that's pushing it. Well, back then, not so much, but let's say she's in her 40s or 50s, and she's been barren, and then she gets pregnant. Well, wait a minute, that's a question mark, right? 
Well, I mean, she was still within the childbearing age. No. 90. 90. There ain't no way. There ain't no way. (laughs) You're going to be able to say, hey, you know, it's stranger things have happened. Here's the bottom line. When we try to do it in our own strength and our own ability, not only are we going to fail, but we have just enslaved ourselves once again. And how often have we created an Ishmael in the flesh because of it? And here God doesn't recognize it. Here God has an Isaac. That's the promise. And it's a work of the Spirit. It's not by my might. It's not by my power, Zechariah 4, 6. But by my Spirit, says the Lord. The Lord's going to do it in His way and in His time and for His glory. You know what the common denominator is in all of this? It's pride. Come on, let's be honest, right? It's pride. Isn't it pride that says, I can do this. I'll do it my way. I'll write a song about it. I did it my way. Sorry about that. (laughs) But no, you know that song, right? That's our pride. That wants to be able to do it. I don't need anybody's help. I can do this. Who do you think you are? Or how about this one? This is is the all-time classic. Who are you to judge me? Ooh. By the way, let me parenthetically say, we're to have judgment. Good judgment. I'm not judging you. I'm judging your fruit. Because by your fruit, you're going to be known. As one said, we don't wear the the judge's robe, we wear the fruit inspector's badge. I'm inspecting that. Man, you know, you say you're an apple tree, but those ain't apples on those branches of your life. I'm just inspecting the fruit. That's, That's judgment. That's sound judgment. Well, anyway, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would have to admit that we all have this propensity for pride. And that pride will always in the end lead to the fall and the failure. The Proverbs are replete with how it is that, again, without exception, pride will always lead to ultimate destruction. Galatians opens our eyes to the potential and sadly the reality of false teachers. They're clever, there's no doubt about it. They can work their way into any area, saying just what needs to be said to get by, and then leaving their trail of deception for us to follow. How do we avoid these false teachers? By knowing God's Word and staying firmly rooted in the love and truth He teaches us. We're so glad you joined us today on In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to meet you in person. We have an open invitation to join us for our weekly services here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. 
We gather each Sunday and Thursday. You'll find more information at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. Would you like to hear more teachings from Pastor J.D.? You can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. But we also have more convenient ways to keep up to date with these messages. Did you know you can take In Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. That's all we have for today's message. Join us next time to keep searching the scriptures for God's goodness in Galatians, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with Holding me true to you.